A tale of two clubs, two Polish clubs to be exact. This one's housed in a post-war yellow brick building in southwest Sydney. Its president is Andrew Lubinecki. You know, next few years, they're going to be, I think, huge challenge to be, to operating. In Bankstown, for example, we can't make a business only from Polish community. Later on, we'll go into ground floor, but we'll just go up high first. The other in the inner west suburb of Ashfield is reinventing itself through a mega development deal. We, we looked at the facts rather than be swayed by the emotion, and we said, what must we do to survive? What must we do to, to be relevant to the children, grandchildren, the great-grandchildren of the founders? Richard Borisiewicz there, the president of the Polish club in Ashfield. The development deal includes a new club on the ground level, paid for by an external company developing the site. In exchange, the developer gets the air on top of the club, constructing and owning 91 apartments, which members can buy at a discounted rate before they go on the market. The board um, is not your usual community club board made up of Uh, well-meaning amateurs, but uh, there's a professional class of people that's on the board, uh, Crown Prosecutor, Member of Parliament, lecturer in accounting and finance at a university. I'm an investment banker. Both clubs have their roots in the wave of post-war migration from Europe that saw the establishment of migrant clubs across Australia. In Bankstown, the club is thinking about making improvements to the building and possibly redeveloping the site, but Mr Lubinecki says there are no plans to do so in the immediate future. It took a massive hit during the COVID-19 lockdown, closing for months on end. And the last two years actually was devastating for us, unfortunately. Uh, Plus we've got the flooding. Um, was so many things which, you know, no income at all from last two years, almost nothing at all. So now we start again. Now we start again. So we are actually right now only Polish club fully licensed operating in Sydney. The club has the feel of a local community centre. There's a restaurant, bar and function room. And on set days there are small social groups for older Polish migrants and dance and language classes for their children and grandchildren. The club's rooms are also booked by other non-Polish groups who run a range of activities. Zofia, now in her early 90s, is one of those attending a seniors group, mainly made up of Polish-born women over 70. A community worker who runs the group is translating for Zofia, who came to Australia in her 60s. Glamorous and friendly, she wishes the gender balance of the group would shift a little. <laughs> there are men that are free up there. They don't want to come here. They're too busy. But we are here. So many free ladies here. They're all free. It would be nice to go out and have coffee. What do you think the men are busy doing? Perhaps they're not interested. They're looking for younger women. (laughs) Or perhaps the gender balance of the group simply reflects the reality that women often outlive male partners. 
There are migrant clubs established in every state and territory in Australia and they all face similar issues. Both clubs featured in this story are in areas that have seen rapid demographic change fuelled by migration from Asia, the Middle East and the subcontinent. Robert Borsak is the treasurer and director of the Asheville Club as well as the head of the Shooters and Fishers Party in New South Wales. I've watched Asheville change also uh, remarkably in the last I don't know, 40 years, 45 years. When we came here, it was all up and down Liverpool Road here. Um, the Polish house here is, is unchanging. as It's just got more dilapidated, but now we're going to see it come to life again. Uh, but uh, certainly the whole of Ashfield uh, on, on Liverpool Road here was completely different. There was Greek restaurants, Italian restaurants. Now everything is Asian. And there's nothing wrong with that. But reality is it also gives us a business opportunity if, if we can offer some really good... Uh, Central European, Eastern European cuisine. Um, there are people that are a lot of Asian people were coming into the old old building here uh, at, for you know for the for the food because it's different. In their original state, the clubs offer a snapshot of a particular time and place in Australia's history, that of post-war migration from Europe that offered countless people the opportunity to reinvent themselves, including Mr. Borsak's Polish-born father. He wasn't, a, he wasn't a happy man. He, he was a loner. He, he was a very strong man. Um, uh, he never spoke much about what, he, what ha- actually happened to him, but he, he did two and a half years in various concentration camps and, uh, and uh, escaped at the end. He thinks development is one of the few ways to keep the vision of the original founders alive. We are creating a business here. It's not just a, you know, not just a, a flight of fantasy. If we don't make this work as a business, then there will be no Polish community uh, organisation here at all and we have, to, we have to work hard to make it work and we have to make a profit out of it. Michael Lubinecki is the son of the president of the Bankstown Club. A volunteer, the club has been a big part of his life from a young age. Uh, we're bartending today so we're all volunteers. This whole club is uh, run by a cooperative, uh, directors, members and everyone's a volunteer so no one gets paid. He's showing SBS around the club's small restaurant. Photos of Poland line the walls. Ornaments and traditional Polish costumes provide a backdrop for patrons. All right, so these are Polish donuts. They're, they've covered in icing sugar. And these are really popular donuts in Poland and here as well. Um, so what's on the inside is rose jam, which is sort of similar to raspberry jam, that kind of stuff. But it, it's a very nice sweet jam. He's optimistic about the club's future, saying people are attracted to its uniqueness. There's, there's, there's always a niche. Um, clubs like this are always going to exist. Maybe not so many as there, there was, but there's always going to be a couple. Um, Polish club is it's sort of an institution. People love to come here. It's, it's a hub for the Polish community, even for first, second or even fourth generation Polish Australians. Uh, we get a lot of Asians. Uh, they love their dumplings here. They, they, they rave about it. They, they really love it. So even on YouTube, they do reviews for the Polish restaurant. And it's really good. They love the food. Back in Asheville, the development of the club was not without opposition, mainly from other members of the club and its board. This culminated in a battle in the Supreme Court. Whatever has been said and whatever has been manufactured, at the end of the day, the New South Wales Supreme Court has found in favour of us and we've been allowed to proceed. If they'd been successful, we would have gone back to the old club that had concrete cancer, 
roofs that caved in, water water leakage that we had 100 millimetres of water in the main dining room when we had a rainfall, and we would have we would ultimately failed. The board of directors could not keep a business going that was just accumulating debt, was not making enough revenue to service its debt, let alone to repair the broken club. Back in Bankstown, some of those that use the club receive government support to run their activities, including the seniors group and a youth dance group. Erica Miller does a 50-kilometre round trip once a week so that her children can attend a traditional dance class. She isn't of Polish ancestry, but her husband is and thinks that families like hers are vital in helping these clubs survive into the future. Well, I feel like they have a a really special place because it does keep kids connected to their cultures and to their heritage and history. Uh, And I would encourage uh, parents that do intermarry with other cultures to keep all of their cultures alive and um, encourage activities like this. And I think as long as uh, parents see the value and uh, encourage the children to participate and to appreciate uh, their history and culture, um, there's a real opportunity to have a great future. Mr Lubinecki hopes that when they grow up, these younger members will see the value in maintaining this club. Actually, that's our uh, hope, it's our future, you know, because these young people which are dancing in Kuyave, um, maybe they're going to take this club in the, in the, you know, in the f- new future, actually. So maybe this club is going to be Maybe it's going to be operating for another 25, 30 years. I don't know. And they, I know they've got some support from the government. As seniors, they've got some support from the government. Uh, the Greek ladies, I know they've got some little support. So, you know, everybody, everybody try to get something. But it's harder and harder every year, unfortunately. In part three of In the Club We'll Meet, one club that has reinvented itself by attracting a hipster crowd and young families outside of its traditional community. Peggy Giacomelos, SBS News.